Um, you know, I want to thank you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to the drop-in because I, I do this, we do this for you. For you. And I want to comment on that opening guitar riff. I've been using the same song since I started doing stuff like this. It goes all the way back to 2007 when I made a TV show called Underground Valley. And that raging guitar riff is by John Speck, uh, my favorite songwriter here in Detroit. And he has done some amazing things. The words of that song resonate very powerfully with me. And so I've used it for... How many, how, long, how many years is that? 15 years? You know, I've used it for a very long time, and I love it, and I'll probably use it for everything I've ever done. Punch the Clock by the Scheme and No Goods. Check it out. It's a ripping, ripping song, and pay attention to the lyrics, because if you're watching this show, you're looking for some inspiration, some nugget that's going to uh, push you to the next level in your personal evolution. And today, here in the NRM studios, I have my very good friend, David Newby, and he has offered so so many nuggets of wisdom. If you have not watched the first segment, the second segment, make sure when you're done here with segment number three, you go back and watch those because there are some awesome, uh, just, I mean, insights into how we can become better versions of ourselves. And that's my goal. That's my goal. And sometimes I need it. My energy has been a little bit low lately. I'm handling some things in my personal life because I'm human. I'm, I'm just like you. I have bad days. I have, well, we'll call them bad days. I don't have that bad of days because it takes too much effort. But I have days where I need some of that inspiration and motivation. And that's why I have wonderful friends like David on those days to give him a call and say, hey, what's going on? And we have a conversation. And he not even trying, will lift my energy on the other end of that phone line. And that's one of the many reasons I do the drop-in, to lift that energy on the other end for you. And so with that, we in segment two, we are getting deep into his newest book, Beyond Billions. And we are talking about Solomon and some of the lessons that are learned through that. Uh, in, in the last couple years, people's lives have been turned upside down. We have had to shift so much of our thought process, of our routine, of what we were used to. And I see, I see the positives in that because maybe you were just going through the motions and a couple years ago you couldn't do that anymore. So you had to make some shifts. You had to make some changes in how you were going to navigate life. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, David, the last couple years— been challenging for a lot of people. For me, I saw opportunity. I saw crazy opportunity. And so many times in our country's history, we have seen some of the biggest, especially from a, a business uh, perspective, some of the biggest businesses of, that we know today were, were brought about during the Great Depression, during mm -hmm. some of the roughest times of our country. Over the last couple years, um, how have you navigated? How have you gotten through this personally, professionally, all that? Well, um, being that I'm very family-focused, I definitely was intentionally uh, even more encouraging to my sons because they're 18 and 22 now. So they were, you know, early in college and early in uh, high school when um, the shutdowns happened and they were doing all that virtual school. And uh, I know that just being isolated is not good for anybody. You know, even if you're the most introverted person, I think a lot of people have realized, like, not being able to go and congregate in places that you normally congregate – you know, outside of going shopping at the grocery store, like people realize, oh, wow, I'm more of a people person than I realize. So um, I think 
that that lack of connection and connectivity was probably the number one factor in why there was such high depression um, that the psychologists measured during COVID. Um, and I would say, you know, that was during the COVID policy, right? But being a contrarian, the other thing was uh, how, in addition to encouraging my sons uh, to be hopeful and, and uh, feel inspired and feel connected, you know, go deeper in the connection with the family when there wasn't as much connection with other people. I also um, looked at, I would say I gave a lot of people maybe more time to think about things. And it was sort of crazy where um, there was a, a lot of spikes in a lot of things, you know, spikes in divorces, spikes in drug overdoses, spikes in a lot of things. Those are all bad. The contrarian, being a contrarian and asking the question, what can I learn? I mean, every day if you go, you just look at a situation, whatever your level of awareness is, you can be just like, hey, what can I learn from this? Mm-hmm. Being curious and, and uh, not judging a situation as good or bad, but like noticing it and being curious and saying, what can I learn from this? is a great way to live. So me going at what can I learn from this? You know, some things I took away from the last couple of years were let me just be even more intentional. You know, in your routine, um, a lot of things of our routines are um, dependent upon interactions with other people. So when certain ways of interacting were taken away, and sadly, a lot of people went along with that. Um, some people didn't. It was interesting that whole nations didn't shut down at all, and other nations did. And so now we have two years of data to compare those. So I think going forward, again, towards that, that a philosophy of what am I in control of? No matter what anyone outside of you is doing, we have control over uh, our attitude, our perspective, um, our actions, our mindset. Those are all things we're in control of. And so... Um, uh, you know, Jesus taught this principle that he wants to give people peace beyond understanding, you know, peace that passes all understanding, meaning most people are at peace and happy when things are going well. Hey, I'm making good money. I have a good love life. I have good friendships. I get to go to concerts. I get to enjoy tasty food, whatever it is that gives you joy in life. Um, I love great music and, you know, good movies and spending time with my sons and skateboarding and uh, you know, doing driving cars, you know, 180 miles an hour. Like I still love adrenaline rushes. I replace the stealing cars with legally driving fast. Right, like, right. Like go to a trek. So um, we all have those things. When a lot of those things are taken away, you can be depressed. So the idea that you can have peace beyond understanding, peace no matter what externally is happening to you by other people, whether it's a government or or your spouse or or someone that's a good friend of yours for a decade attacking you all of a sudden. All those things that other people do, we can't control that. We can choose to be at peace. That's a really amazing thing. And um, I got a lot deeper in my application of just daily choosing peace. Like I'm choosing peace for me. And it's all an internal, like success is an inside job. Is a, I think it's the name of a book. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really did a lot of internal work. So I think that's one of the biggest lessons from the last couple of years is um, just take full control over um, your own peace and decide I'm going to be... Um, at peace, I'm going to be joyful, I'm going to be loving, I'm going to be patient, I'm going to be these things no matter what anyone else does. If you're committed to that and you focus on that, that is what you will bring to the world and you will create that environment when you're around other people. So that's what I've noticed. Like I'm still an excitable person, but I have like a peaceful excitement. Mm -hmm. So I've noticed I'm not like, I don't have like manic energy like I used to have. And um, hey, when I go to a concert or go skateboarding, like I enjoy all those adrenaline rushes. Um, 
And at the same time, it's like my baseline is a lot calmer. You know, Not so manic it, almost. Because a lot of people, because of stress, have a lot of cortisol and adrenaline running for their body. A lot of times people don't realize for the last two years, some people have been in nonstop fight or flight. And that will shut down your adrenal glands. It's really bad for your health. Mm-hmm. You know, the purpose of our, how we're created as humans to have an adrenaline rush is to get out of danger quick or fight, right? A bear's running at you, flight. You know, a dog's running at you, you can do the fight and kick it and get away, right? So um, fight or flight has a real purpose. Um, but a lot of people have been stuck in that. So, like, that's the real benefit of choosing peace and doing breathing modalities, doing spiritual practices, um, asking God for wisdom. It's like I've really learned to be at peace right now what's going on. Well, and you it, immediately remind me of a quote from St. Francis of Assisi, and uh, it is, I can, to- I can choose peace over this. And that's something I remind myself about many times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you brought up fight or flight, and for those keep notes at home, uh, humans are, I believe, the only animal on the planet— that can relive that stress over and over again. Like if a deer gets, you know, deer's, you know, grazing and it gets, there's a predator coming up and the deer freaks out, fight or flight kicks in, it runs. Mm -hmm. Well, in 10 minutes, it's not reliving that event. And us as humans can relive that event over and over. And we get the cortisol, we get the stress hormones, we Mm -hmm. get all that all over again from memory alone. And so if you can think of peace... During that time, it's going to help you from a physiological standpoint, from a mental standpoint, and and uh, it's it's amazing to be able to try to have that discipline to make that adjustment mm-hmm. in those fight or flight moments, and especially these last two and a half years, it's been such a high stress time for many people, uh, very questioning time, not knowing what's coming next, right. and now we're getting into a little bit more of. Um, at least somewhat of a normality where people are going back to work. Many people are hybrid kind of schedule. Uh, Kids are back in school. You know, there's some different things going on, but there's still some questioning and you can choose peace over the whole thing. And I believe from a vibrational standpoint, that peace radiates out around you. You know, Mm -hmm. chaos will radiate out around you and you can inspire and influence the people around you for sure. Um, You know, uh, as with us talking and meeting and, and you know, it's it's been incredible. And I know for me, when times get a little challenging, um, different things, when I broke my leg, uh, I knew I was going to be out of commission for a couple of couple, three months, uh, even through COVID. And I know as a, a alcoholic in recovery, I have to stay mentally busy. I have to stay, you know, if I'm grounded, if I'm, I can't do what I normally do, I have to stay mentally busy, still doing things, either start a nonprofit, write another book, whatever I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and through COVID, I think a lot of people could have benefited by having a similar kind of mindset, having this drive that I have some downtime, I can maybe uh, work on some other things, some other dreams and goals that I have in my life. And I know you did some of that with some of the crazy endeavors you're into now. And you brought it up earlier on on another segment, you know, I mean, like billion dollar gold deals, you know, Uh, where did that come from? Did that come during COVID or was that happening uh, leading up to COVID? So um, it's neat talking about how um, people who are wired like us like to have a project. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is 
as growth focused and that's okay. Like it's okay to be at peace if you literally have one dream for your life and only one major thing you want to accomplish. Like that's fine. Be at peace and we should always run our own race. As I've worked on bigger deals, I've had in the last year like three or four friends in a short period tell me, well, what I'm doing is nowhere near as big as yours. And I'm like, hey, honor your race. Don't compare yourself to someone else. I mean, literally a big uh, big breakthrough I had talking to a bunch of billionaires is because I'm very open and create a space of vulnerable. I create a space of openness and vulnerability and non-judgment. So a lot of them have told me very personal things that they and I've had a lot of people throughout since I was 13. Like I had a friend of mine in uh, eighth, seventh grade tell me that someone molested her. And then in eighth grade, like another two people told me that. So it was really um it's good that you can, I realize just creating space for people to feel comfortable to talk about stuff is a gift. So don't like, and, and not comparing my race to other people, um, being honoring of other people's dreams and just supporting them. Um, when my best friend died last January, it was since COVID, you know, there were several things in the, if you look at my entrepreneurial journey, going back to 04, you know, I was full-time real estate investor, you know, published my first book, bought up my son in Lamborghini, you know, I did all this stuff like my first four years in the in, um, business. And after the 08 crash, basically, you know, went bankrupt, lost everything. I published my second book in 2012, which is about the gold industry in the Philippines. And it was actually, this guy threatened to kill me out in the jungle working on this $500 million gold deal. He got so frustrated. Um, anger is a secondary emotion. He got so frustrated that we couldn't agree on this one term. We had agreed on like eight out of the nine terms. We couldn't agree on this one term. And he literally told me he was going to kill me right in front, right to my face. And thank God, I being around a bunch of violent people and learning how to be calm and not, uh, my mom made me memorize every Bible verse about how to deal with anger after that incident, <laughs> trying to kill the cat. So I knew how to deal with anger productively. One of those teachings is um, a fool gives full vent to his rage, but a wise man shows restraint. And another one, Proverbs 15, 1 says, um, a harsh word will stir up anger, but a calm answer turns away wrath. I knew that. And so I'm like, I'm going to answer this guy calmly. I know what I do with someone who's wrathful to the point, like talking about maybe without a gun and shooting me right there on the spot. I'm like, I told him, I said, calmly. I said, well, that's one way you could do with your frustration about this situation. I said, I can think of better, better solutions for your family and for mine. Mm-hmm. So instead of making it about him and me, instead of counter threatening him, instead of getting into that fight or flight and fighting, I didn't fl- flee, but I calmly turned away his wrath. And then he, then he calmed down. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, like coming back from 2012 from that trip, I did not accomplish and close one of those multi-hundred million dollar gold deals I was working on. So on the face of it, it looked like, man, that trip was not successful. You know, and at the time I was very disappointed. And it, there was very real cost to being apart from my wife and my sons for six months. You know, I had literally a, a 12-year-old and an 8-year-old. It's not good to, you know, I do not want to be an absent father. I'm always very intentional about doing stuff with my sons and being a present, loving, affirming, teaching father. And so um, I told my wife and my sons, like, I'm never going to leave the country again um, more than a week or two without you guys. Like, I'm never going to go to the Philippines for a month plus trip without you. And I've been able to honor that that promise I made them uh, 10 years ago. But since then, what's neat about billion dollar deals, my best friend dies a year ago. I asked God, please give me a bigger vision. Give me a bigger vision of something I can do to make a bigger impact on the world. Because my friend worked on multi-billion dollar infrastructure deals in the Philippines. I had no idea what God may inspire me to do. Um, But after about two months of praying that, end of March last year, 
uh, I got the idea to tokenize gold while it's in the ground. Mm-hmm. So here's what's neat about sort of like like uh, we talked about the book, The Surrender Experiment. I just surrendered to whatever God kept revealing to me next. And before you know it, I have like a guy who advised the SEC for six years on crypto regulation working on my team. You know, I have a guy who did a startup who did $150 million in sales, not not worth of the company, but sales within 18 months on my team. I have a lady who's friends with the royal family of Bahrain on my team saying, I can introduce you to the royal family of Bahrain. I'm going to Dubai in a couple of weeks and I'll tell them about you. Mm-hmm. I mean, like God has just opened so many doors. You know, I have a lady who's like an international hedge fund advisor and helps like estate planning with billionaires and, and you know, sent to millionaires saying, offering me free legal ad- legal services to help us with our international structuring. I mean, our whole team has come together just by me taking the next step. So it's been a really neat journey the last six months. I mean, right now we have $16.5 billion of gold under contract from two gold mines and another uh, four to six billion of people who own mines wanting to sell their mines to us also. In the last week, I talked to two different mine owners. One owns five mines in the western U.S., and this other guy owns a $2 billion gold mine in Mexico. So, like, I didn't say when God gave me revelation, oh, you know, I'm just some poor welfare kid. You know, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. When when I got the idea, when I got the download, some people in the spiritual world are called a download, right? When I got the download, I didn't push the vision away. I'm like, God gave me this vision, so God will give me the resources to bring this vision to pass. I just kept taking the next step in faith, the next step in faith. All of entrepreneurship is a, is a, is a, is a journey of faith. I mean, I heard this one pastor say, the ultimate people are faith of faith are entrepreneurs, because they're willing to risk everything financially, and they know there's cost to their family if they fail, but to bring that vision to fruition. So that's why I talked about in the last segment, we're always creating with our words. So if you like ask God for greater wisdom and you receive the visions that come to you, you should always filter them between what am I good at and what do I not have to bring this to fruition and attract the resources. If you tell the vision, this one mentor of mine, he said, um, you should always tell a vision. You don't watch television. You receive a vision. You write it down. You tell that vision to others. When your vision is so clear and you've written it down and you've shared it, the resources will come to you. Right. So, like, Gerald, I've never raised $100 million to buy a gold mine worth billions of dollars. But in the last six months, I've had a guy say, can I give you, can you take $2 billion? Mm-hmm. And I have another guy working right now to put together $600 million for us. So, I mean, right now, like, we're looking to raise $600 million to $2 billion in the next few months. I've never raised that kind of money. But just being faithful to the next step, God has given me all the resources. I have all the team in place. You know, just in the last week, I set up another structure. We're doing international structures, working with our legal team. So it's, just, it's all coming together. So I would encourage people, um, take the raw material of the last two years. It's taught everyone extreme lessons. I would say it's the greatest extreme stress most people have ever experienced in their life. I mean, the only thing above it would be like another world war. Right. And God willing, there isn't one. I'm praying for, we should all pray for wisdom for our leaders. Everybody, you know, who, whether you like him or not, pray for Biden, pray for Putin, pray for Zelensky, pray for all leaders. Um, that just, the world is a better place the wiser our leaders are. Oh, yeah. But we need to realize that we are leaders. If all you are is a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you are a leader to the other person. If all you are is a friend, you know, you're a leader. So, like, lead intentionally. And, and ask for wisdom because you are a leader. If we if we do that and live that path of searching out wisdom, then you know, don't limit what God can do through you. That's what I would say. 
that's the way that I'm literally, you know, by God's grace, like I literally have a vision to do over a hundred billion dollars of business in the next three years. If you'd have asked me a year ago or before last January, before my friend died, David, what do you think about working on multi-billion dollar deals? I'd be like, hey, I know these couple of billionaire guys. Go talk to them about it. I would have not at all considered it for myself. Mm-hmm. But just going to that next level of humility and next level of asking God to use me in a greater way and then not rejecting it, that's how all this stuff has unfolded. Well, and, and much of what you just shared with our drop-in listeners is about perspective. Definitely perspective, you know, and we hear all the catchphrases when one door opens and or one door closes, another one opens. You hear mm-hmm. it all the time. Uh, but it's not always easy to push push on, you know, when right. when you keep hitting a brick wall, sometimes the challenging part is to go, this isn't for me and it's my ego pushing me in that direction right. or it is for me and I need to show perseverance and keep going. There are so many successful stories about, uh, you know, somebody was just getting ready to quit. They mm-hmm. wanted to shut down, but they decided to give it one last try. And mm-hmm. it ended up being this legendary accomplishment that has changed the world. And I think that's one of the most challenging things for me is when when to make that decision. And that's when I go into deep meditation mm-hmm. to say – Am I supposed to keep pushing forward with this or is it time for me to shift gears and move in a different direction? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you just explained such great faith and, and examples of such great faith and the right pieces coming in here and there. Um, I love it. But can you believe we're already at the end of segment three? It's gone fast. Yeah. Can you please share with our awesome viewers how they can see what you're doing, maybe follow you on social media? How do people do that? Yeah, my website's davidroynewby.com, uh, R-O-Y-N-E-W-B-Y. Um, I'm David Roynewby on all the socials, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, LinkedIn. I looked at LinkedIn like once a week, so don't message me there. Better on the other three. Um, but that's the way to get a hold of me. Yeah, cool. the, my website has links to the latest book, whatever I'm writing, kind of stuff. Cool, cool, cool. Well, David, thank you so much. I love spending time with you. And I know we're going to do this many more times as we continue here at NRM. And I want to thank you guys. Man, sticking with us and having a good time, getting enlightened, maybe some nuggets of wisdom that are going to make you a better version of yourself. And I want to thank Alan behind the glass, Chris, everybody. It's a, it's an honor to be here, and uh, I don't take it lightly. So thank you guys very much. This is David Newby. I am Gerald Valley, and this is The Drop-In. I got a present for you, brother. <laughs> <laughs>